the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Tonight, we're going to talk about gun control and, and what we're going to try to do about it. And here in Ohio, something is being looked at and being done about it. Uh, To talk to us tonight about that is State Senator Matt Dolan, uh, who is going to talk about what's going on in the state legislature concerning the issue of gun control and basically uh, protecting the citizens of the state of Ohio from shooters who are going to come out and shoot a lot of people. Senator Matt Dolan, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, Thanks, Nick. Good evening. Good evening. Yeah, talking about... uh, it comes under the category of gun control, but what's been getting all the headlines is when someone takes a gun, goes out, and just randomly starts shooting uh, innocent people. Uh, and that that seems to be what we're really after here. Uh, what What's going on in Ohio with that? Well, there's a lot going on, including uh, I have a bill, Senate Bill 221, which is uh, sponsored by the Uh, myself and the governor, he refers to it as the Strong Ohio Plan. And I would would characterize it a little bit differently, that the purpose of my bill is to recognize that we all want to make uh, our environment, our streets, our schools, our churches safer. And to do that, you have to have a balance to make sure that we don't want to deny the people the right to their Second Amendment right to bear arms, but we want to balance that off with the idea that somebody who is going to exercise that right better have the right mental health, better have uh, uh, the right mental capacity to, to exercise that right in a fair, safe, reasonable manner, that if they demonstrate behavior of harm to themselves or others, or that they have uh, some sort of addiction which allows them not to act in a reasonable and safe manner, we don't want you to have the guns. Because what we're seeing is there is a litany of those issues uh, on people who, who in turn then commit these mass killings. Likewise, we also have to recognize that there is an increase in gun violence uh, in our, uh, you know, in our society, in our streets, and those are those are a result of individuals using a gun illegally obtained or I- illegally uh, possessed. So the, the 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 three parts of my bill is to make sure that a safe person has the right. To own a gun, and that if you have a disability, mental health, behavioral health in terms of threat to himself or others, or chronic addiction, you have the ability through our pink slip laws to remove that person, to get them uh, mental health or get them health, get them an assessment, and two things will happen. A probate court will determine whether that person needs additional care and or whether that person should have access to firearms. So my bill, unlike any other, quote, red flag bill, <laughs> does two things. It, it separates a person who shouldn't have a gun from their gun and gets that person help. No other bill that's floating through the um, legislature, particularly on the Senate side, gets the person help. It also does it in a way that's safer for law enforcement. And my bill is supported by law enforcement. It's supported by the mental health community. It's supported by the hospitals. Because what it does is says, okay, we're going to separate you from your guns. We're going to get you help. But if the determination is made that you do, you should not have guns, then law enforcement <laughs> can go get your guns with the person not there. 
In other red flag laws, all that it does is, is, is an ex parte hearing, that is, without the person being present, is held, and then the court can order police to go in and get the gun. So they go into a person's house who the court has determined is either mentally ill or danger to themselves or others, and goes in and tries to take their gun. That's highly confrontational, and they remove the guns, but the person remains without any help, without any help. So uh, that's number one. Number two is we do enhanced background checks. It's not mandatory, and I can get into why, but we give uh, incentivized. That is, if a person, you know, if you get a buy gun from a federally licensed dealer, then you will, you will have to get a background check. If you are a private seller of a gun, and you are not aware of who you are selling your gun to, you have the ability now under this new law to say to the buyer, buyer, you need to call the local sheriff and get a background check done on you and provide to me a certificate that says that you are a valid, uh, you do not have any legal disability to buy that gun. If the seller does not do that, and it turns out that that person uh, had a disabled disability under the law and should not have owned a gun, then that person is subject to a felony up to three years in prison. And then the third thing this bill does, it gives enhanced penalties to the court to uh, put further prison time on a person who possesses, brandishes, or uses a gun uh, in, in the commission of an attempt of a crime or a crime. So those are three main pillars of, of our bill. Well, that, that's quite a comprehensive set of, uh, I guess, areas that you're, you're addressing. Right. One of the conversations I, I think I've, I've heard over the, the many months, if not years, on the subject is that one aspect with regard to dealing with the, uh, the probate court, where you have an individual who is going to be identified as being mentally unstable or for some reason uh, not worthy of possessing a gun, and, and I think the overall, the overarching concept here is to keep guns away from people who shouldn't have guns. The, the worry is how, how can this be abused when laws come into place, people are looking uh, for ways to getting around it, but uh, how, how do we take care of a situation where a former spouse doesn't claim that their ex-spouse wrongfully has some kind of mental illness and gets them on a list of some sort? Uh, right. How does that and, work? And, and you're right. That's that's been a concern raised. Well, first of all, the pink slip law already exists in the state of Ohio, so that we we are not creating a new venue for somebody who's mentally ill to get some help. Um, so, if it's not abused now, because we're adding the gun element to it, it's likely it won't be abused either. But remember, what, unlike the red flag laws that are circulating that if an, in, if an involuntary commitment uh, order, you know, if, if, a, if a spouse were to call up on their husband and, and she's doing it for a reason other than, uh, you know, concern over their husband, what will happen is the police will arrive, they will make an on-site determination as to whether or not this person truly does suffer from mental illness or is a truly... Uh, threat to themselves or others, then they remove them from the situation if they, if they decide it, and then immediately that person is not subject to a court yet. That person is subject to a mental health evaluation, and a determination then will be made, is this person, again, does this person fit that criteria, or is this a person who's subject to some sort of, of um, you know, vendetta of some sort? And then let's say the mental health people say, no, 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 this person is fine. This person does not present any of the mental health societal issues. You know, they should not, they should be, you know, released. That person has not faced any court hearing. That person has not faced any charge by the, by the police. And that uh, person, whether it be the man or wife, whoever instigated it, is now subject to criminal violation for, uh, you know, for having a motive other than than the per saving that person or helping that person. So, um, we, you know, one of the reasons the governor and I chose this venue is because it already exists. So, 
there isn't abuse of the system. The police officers and the mental health departments and the hospitals are all familiar with how to treat an involuntary committed person. Uh, the only difference is, is that the, at the determination of wh whether that person should get additional help or not, there's also a determination made whether they should have access to guns. And uh, the guns can be taken away in a safe, non-confrontational manner. And even if that person ultimately is headed home, there could be determination that person does not need any further help um, or could be outpatient help, but they also shouldn't have access to guns. So that, that's our hope that there won't, it's in the system already in place so that there wouldn't be, uh, quote, new abuses. But if there is, there's a procedure in place. Well, that, well, that's very true. We're going to take a short break here in a moment. Uh, but I just wanted to comment briefly that uh, as a lawyer, having a, a, a public law office where people are going to be coming into the law office with these issues, uh, I, I can see where this is the stage where there's going to be most controversy, perhaps, and most challenge when someone turns somebody in to have the police investigate them or, or look over. Let me take a short break. We're listening to State Senator Matt Dolan. We're talking about the uh, the Ohio plan, the strong Ohio plan dealing with firearms. And we're going to take a break. We'll be right back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of the Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. AM 1420, the answer. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips & Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips & Millie at 440-243-2800. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. But tonight we're talking about preventing mass shootings here in Ohio and doing something about bad people who should not have guns having firearms. With us tonight is State Senator Matt Dolan, who is sponsoring legislation here in Ohio that is called the Strong Ohio Plan that uh, is going to attack this uh, real thorny problem here with, with regard to what I would generally label gun control, but really it's much more than that. It's uh, labeling people who really shouldn't have firearms uh, and doing something about that. Is that fairly accurate, Matt? That is, that is accurate, and, and dealing with uh, you know mass shootings is obviously a major concern, and the uh, increased gun violence in our society is also a concern that we're trying to address. Um, so 
you know, we're trying to find the right balance. But understand, when we say somebody shouldn't have a gun, we're also, that, that's the current law. There are provisions in place already that, that if a person has these signs or these issues, cannot have a gun. So uh, sometimes on the uh, pro-gun group, it feels like they're, they're saying, oh, we're attacking a person's right to a Second Amendment. Uh, there already is in law prohibitions or regulations upon who has the right to bear arms if you are subject to these disabilities. The, the thorny issue is always mental illness and the degree of mental illness and uh, determining who is normal and who is not normal. And, and I know psychologists go crazy if you say what's normal and what's not normal. Is Everybody's different. Um, one of the things I noticed in the last segment when you were explaining how the process would work, and we, we talk about a pink slip law. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about a pink slip law? And then secondly, will police officers be receiving training on how to evaluate these situations? So, uh, yes, so the pink slip, law, pink slip law currently exists. And what that is is upon a presentation uh, to a law enforcement official, either by a family member, a neighbor, a fellow employee, or a school counselor, anybody, can call their local law enforcement and say, I believe John Doe uh, is has some issues that allow him maybe not to know the difference between right and wrong. Uh, I think he's a threat to himself. I think he's a threat to others based on X, Y, and Z then the, the, the answer to your second question is assumed in this next part, that trained law enforcement officers then come to, to the situation just like they do today, and they make a quick determination as to whether or not this person needs to be evaluated by mental health officials or some, some level of health officials. If they determine them, they have the right under the pink slip law to involuntarily take this person away from their home, away from their work, and bring them to a emergency room setting, hospital setting, for evaluation. So the training is not that they're making a mental health diagnosis. The training is based on what they have observed, based on what the complaint was, that they believe in their professional judgment that a evaluation needs to be done by a mental health professional. And they are allowed by law, under current law, and we are just just using that law, to remove that person, even if that person does not want to go. They're not under arrest. There is no criminal violation. They are just being escorted because society has decided and that this person needs mental health evaluation. At, at they that, don't want to go voluntarily. At, at that moment in time when the police arrive, say, on a, on a Saturday night uh, because a spouse is complaining and the police arrive and, and they uh, find the person is rather defensive and agitated and the spouse says, well, he has a whole bunch of guns and a whole lot of ammunition. Is, is that the kind of situation where that's going to lead the officer to want to uh, get the person out of circulation and seize all the... Uh, the, the weapons and ammunition? Okay. Unlike a, um, at that moment in time, the officer would have no ability to seize the weapon or ammunition. The only determination the officer would be making is, does this person present as a threat to himself or others? Is he exhibiting uh, symptoms of some mental health disturbance? Is, his, is he under... Uh, substance abuse, uh, intoxication, drug, uh, and is there evidence of chronic uses of drugs, uh, which again is important because that's one of the definitions of a disability. Not that you're under, you, you got intoxicated, is that you demonstrate chronic intoxication. So at that moment in time, the officer is only making decisions irrespective of whether a crime occurred. It, you know, the whole world changes if the spouse says, I was hit. Or you know, I was abused. Then, then they go into criminal. They go into normal criminal procedures. If the spouse is making the, the situation is, 
I believe, based on what I'm telling you, this my husband is a threat to me, or he's a threat to himself or others. So, or he is suffering. He has not taken his medication in two weeks, and he should be on his medication. Those types of if no crime has been committed, or or even an allegation of a crime then the officers are only making the determination whether this person should involuntarily be taken to a mental, to a health facility for a checkup. Um, and then and at that point they'll follow the, the protocols. Remain behind. Guns remain behind. It's only after a court determines with that person present that this person should not have access to guns that the guns are taken. But here's a key fact that people don't understand. Once somebody is part of the pink slip law and they are removed from their home where their guns are, they are not back in that house until a determination has been made by the probate court whether that person should have access to guns. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. people are, are, are saying, oh, great, they get to the hospital, the doctor says, you know, you're fine. Well, the, you know, they had their 72-hour evaluation. They don't go back in the home until a determination has been made uh, on whether they should have access to guns or not. Well, we, we've been talking in the context of, uh, say, domestic violence and spouses. But what about generally? Uh, I know the, many of these stories when we hear of uh, mass shooters, that uh, there, there are some signs that are out there that uh, maybe they've been making threats and uh, stockpiling weapons and ammunition, things like this. Uh, will there be a public relations program with the statutes to educate people that this is a way that uh, if you see something, say something kind of a, a response? So, yes, I mean, thank you. That's a great question because that's part of the bill, too, is to how, how to communicate, you know, how this is used. Uh, the, the bill shouldn't be viewed in context. I'm working with Senator Hoagland, who has a bill uh, that deals with the school side of, of this, so that there's a person trained in the school building to know the difference between, you know, you know, I'll, I'll use us for example. They, you know, Nick Phillips might be a pain in the teacher's side, but he's not a threat. And Matt Dolan might be a, a pain, you know, might be not a pain in, in that, but there's concern about me. So we're going to have what we call marshals in the school. Essentially, they're not called marshals, but you know, just like airline marshals. So that they're trained in understanding that somebody is showing the signs of real mental health or real, you know, threat to themselves or others versus just the class clown who drives the teachers crazy. Right. Um, you know, we, we don't want that. So there is a whole educational part of this in the school level. Um, you know, the Very police good. officers are going to be trained uh, as well. This is what law enforcement wants. They don't want to. They don't want to go into a person's house, and with court order or not, and remove those guns. If that person who is the reason they're being removed is because they're a threat, is in the house, uh, they think that that puts them in grave danger. Well, we're going to watch how this uh, proceeds through the legislature, and then we're going. To, I'm sure it's uh, probably going to pass. I, I can't imagine much. But uh, as it as it goes through and becomes implemented, we'll see if uh, we we keep uh, mass shootings from happening in Ohio. We'll never know, <laughs> other than we have to do something, and this certainly seems to be a step in, in the right move. And uh, I, I would assume, hopefully, uh, within the next uh, several months, we'll have some uh, further uh, results in the legislature on this issue. I, I hope so. We we do need to do something, and. Without minimizing the lives of those lost in Dayton, um, the shooter showed all kinds of signs that could have been that that person could have been brought to mental health. I see. But the girlfriend did did not know where to go. Well, let, let's she stayed quiet. let's hope that's the last shooting we have here of that kind here in the state of Ohio. Senator Matt Dolan, thank you so very much, and thanks for uh, promoting this particular piece of legislation. Hope it's going to save some lives. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK. The answer.
Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. How's your back? Every day, thousands of people suffer with unrelenting back pain that takes time from their normal life. Dr. Patrick McCluskey and his staff at the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic provide the helping hands to relieve those nagging pains. Located in North Royalton at Sprague and York Roads, schedule an appointment today with the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic by calling 440-884-0083 for an appointment. That's 440-884-0083. Just imagine being neck and back pain free. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips & Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips & Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Welcome back to Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. In the next uh, two segments, we're going to be talking about searching for our humanity, especially in the modern-day culture that we, we experience and we hear about every day. Everything from mass shootings to a high divorce rate and those kinds of things. And uh, to take us through those discussions tonight, we have Rian Eisler. Rian, how are you? Thank you for joining us. Hi. Nice to talk to you. Well, nice talking to you. You're the author of a book called Nurturing Our Humanity, How Domination and Partnership Shape Our Brains, Lives, and Future. That's my latest book. That's right. And, well, want to uh, hear a little bit about yourself because I always think that people uh, are going to listen more when they find out how authoritative you are on the subject. Tell us a little bit about your background, and I know your early childhood is significant. Well, I yes, I was a child Holocaust refugee with my parents, and uh, those were very traumatic experiences, of course, which actually, years later ignited really the passion that I have uh, for this research. Um, I've had a sort of a a checkered career. I sometimes think of my life as the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle coming together. I have a legal background. I practiced law, wrote a brief to the Supreme Court. Uh, But basically, um, I'm, I'm now a system scientist, cultural historian certainly an author, 
um, of many books, and um, I'm very passionate about this work of trying to find out uh, just what really are the root causes of so many of our problems, and how can we meet them more successfully. Well, well, where do I begin? Uh, you know, right now in our, our present times, uh, we have more mass shootings reported than than we ever have, and uh, the the question is why is it happening? The government is unable to respond to it. Uh, the government is divided, um, and even when they say to enforce or uh, make more strict gun laws and have uh, uh, more background checks, that that still really doesn't go to the root problem, which tends to show up in maybe cultural-type issues. Definitely. I mean, I think that it's not a simple issue, and all of the factors you mentioned have to be addressed. But what I think we ignore are some of the underlying issues. And one of them, of course, is this unfortunate uh, equation of being a real man with power over other people, uh, with a gun in, 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 in popular parlance. And I think that uh, we really have to have a serious conversation about that. The mass shooters, many of them have a history of domestic, what we call domestic violence. I, I mean, it's violence. I don't know. You know, just because it's in an intimate relationship, people seem to think it's of a lesser magnitude, right? But oh, of course. Um, so, and also, of course, many of them uh, seem to have uh, mental issues, and I think that the data is becoming very clear that this socialization of men to be tough, to show their mastery, uh, especially mastery over women, right? Um, well, they, they are the other side, yes. <laughs> it's a disaster. It's a disaster for men, because it really, you know, the title of this new book is Nurturing Our Humanity. And, of course, uh, men are just as human <laughs> as women, but men are taught that to be a real man, you can't be like a woman, and unfortunately, we have inherited what I call a gendered system of values in which caring, caregiving, nonviolence are considered soft or feminine. So right there, you've got a real problem. You mentioned in your book that there are, are certain characteristics that are, are more natural leanings of humans, to be kind to other humans, to help other humans, those kinds of things. Uh, yet culturally... Uh, and and before the interview tonight, uh, you and I talked a bit about the differences between men and women and how culturally uh, we have reminders constantly that men dominate over women. And uh, the example I gave was the modern American wedding uh, ceremony where the father of the bride walks up with his daughter and says to the man, I'm giving you my daughter in marriage. That, that sort of like says it all, doesn't it? Well, yes. I mean, this is a, a chattel, and I'm about to transfer ownership, right? <laughs> Which is really deeply rooted in what I call domination history. Now, the good news, and I really want to go back to that, is what you started with. What we're learning from neuroscience um, is fascinating. For example, uh, I'll give you one study where uh, the, the, the so-called pleasure centers of our brains light up more when people share than when they win. Uh, another example is that babies, both male and female babies, by the way, uh, tend to actually cry when they hear another baby cry. It's sort of an empathic response. So the notion that, you know, we're wired, right? You know, either by original sin or by selfish genes. 
is absolutely not based on any factual evidence. And in fact, my co-author in this book is the noted anthropologist Douglas Fry, who is one of the world authorities on foraging societies. And you know that story that we're told about these evolutionary imperatives going way back into prehistory. Too bad, you know, they just program us, right, genetically for mm-hmm. rape, for violence, for war. Absolute nonsense. Foragers are much more peaceful, more gender balanced, uh, more egalitarian, and that's how we actually lived for millennia. So there are a lot of stories that have been taught really came out of the rationalization of a domination system. When when you talk in your book about uh, childhood, childhood experiences, and uh, childhood traumas, uh, that kind of thing, and uh, reflecting back on your experiences as a six-year-old when your whole world is with your parents and being safe, um, uh, what came to mind is the fact that we have thousands of children coming across the U.S. border from South America and Mexico. Uh, what what effect is being exposed to the treatment they're they're getting, whether it's legal or not legal, whatever? Looking at it through the eyes of a child, uh, what what kind of traumas are they going through, and how will this affect them and their future? Well, they're going through enormous trauma, and unfortunately, not only they, but the society of the future in which they will be adults will pay for that. I mean, that's what we really have to understand, that uh, when children are traumatized, and it's not, uh, you you know, when they're stressed to the extent of being frightened, of being separated from those that they've become attached to, who were their caregivers, uh, this is really a very horrible thing to do to a child and to a future that all children will share. Well, I'm, I'm thinking the long term for children who are exposed to uh, uncertainty and uh, trauma, whether it's physical or emotional, and uh, the, the development and, and observing anger in action and observing violence, uh, don't, don't they tend to normalize that behavior for their own behavior in the future? Unfortunately, the majority of people to experience that and who observe what you described, anger, violence, uh, this whole in-group versus out-group thinking, uh, yeah, they tend to replicate it. And, you know, one of the things that I think has been a problem in trying to understand what's happening is that we tend to, we have been taught really to think of childhood, what children observe and experience, which of course also includes gender relations. Well, let's let's hold it. Let's children. hold it right there for a moment. We're we're talking to uh, Rianne Eisler uh, in her book Nurturing Our Humanity and finding out how we can make this a better place. Sounds really idealistic, but uh, there's some truth in neuroscience to it. We'll be back to talk about. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. 
Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. How's your back? Every day, thousands of people suffer with unrelenting back pain that takes time from their normal life. Dr. Patrick McCluskey and his staff at the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic provide the helping hands to relieve those nagging pains. Located in North Royalton at Sprague and York Roads, schedule an appointment today with the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic by calling 440-884-0083 for an appointment. That's 440-884-0083. Just imagine being neck and back pain free. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips & Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips & Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. And we're talking to Rian Eisler, uh, an attorney, which is a great thing, but also uh, an expert in uh, cultural issues and uh, human nature and neuroscience. Um, Her book is called Nurturing Our Humanity, and uh, it it attempts to address uh, some of the background issues of uh, what are cultural traits that result in uh, either a violent type culture or more of a constructive uh, partnership type uh, peaceful culture. And uh, Rianne Eisler, thank you again for joining us tonight. My pleasure, Nick. Did did I somewhat accurately state the purpose of your book? Yes, I think you did. And I'd like to get back to the question that you posed before the break. Uh, Because what we're learning from neuroscience is very, very important, not only for us personally, but for us as societies, which is that this whole argument about nature versus nurture is absolutely crazy because it is the interaction of genes with our environment, which of course for humans is mostly the environments that we create, namely cultural environments through our families, education, religion, politics, economics. And what we're learning is that, for example, one study showed that there there is a gene that some men have which seems to predispose men to violence, but the importance, the impact of the environment and the early experiences and observations of a child are so huge that not every man who has this gene uh, became violent. Only those who, in terms of the language that's used in these studies, had adverse childhood experiences. Now, there's a lesson there, isn't there? And it isn't just about parenting and about child development. It's about connecting the dots that if you have uh, children who are exposed to violence. You know, the APA, American Psychological Association, just finally said not only is spanking harm, you know, ineffective, but it is harmful. Uh, and, and we would not think of hitting a coworker, right, if they don't do 
what we want or, or an employee but here is this helpless child right dependent on people and we've been taught that that's okay but it's not you know in in the shootings we mentioned in the last segment uh, where we typically have young males with guns and lots of ammunition they go in and they start uh, randomly killing people uh, I'm not sure whether all the cases are the same but uh, it, it seems sometimes that uh, the shootings are done almost for sport or a sport-like uh, motivation, and sometimes they're motivated by hatred, which I guess in, yeah. in terms of mental uh, state of mind condition, hatred being a motivation uh, is, is something that someone has to have the emotional capacity to hate, which is a very strong, strong feeling. Um, the governments, as I mentioned earlier, are, are trying to come up with some type of solution to the problem to attack the, uh, the repeated stories of these young men who go out shooting people randomly. Uh, is there anything, based on your experience as a lawyer as well as a person who's sort of a social scientist, what direction should the government go when we can't lock up all mentally ill people and we... We're not reasonably going to take guns away from everyone in the population, but there should be some type of a thought-out, reasonable approach to try well, to I identify the, it, it, the bad people. Yes, I agree. What would and, that be? Uh, certainly, I mean, there's absolutely no reason that uh, these cartridges that can kill so many people, you know, within seconds practically, that guns like that should be manufactured and sold. I mean, that's just common sense. You know, who needs it? I mean, you, you don't want to use that kind of a gun if you're hunting, right? So steps like this, but, but I think we have to really go much deeper, and this is what we've been talking about. Uh, certainly some of these men must have had a lot of pain in their lives and a lot of, of, of trauma. Uh, and some of them are mentally ill. There's no question about that. But hate people who hate uh, aren't necessarily mentally ill. They, they've been indoctrinated. Uh, and combine that with this sort of act tough expectation, right, of, uh, you know, the, of manning up, right, mm -hmm. controlling, and uh, you've got a real mess. You know, a recent study actually showed that it costs our nation billions, billions, uh, that indoctrination to suppress in men their uh, more uh, soft, caring qualities, their empathy, traffic accidents, suicide. I mean, talk about guns and suicide. It's, it, it's huge. Depression, sexual violence, bullying, binge drinking. I mean, this is public health data. And so it, you know, these mass shootings is just one rather horrible manifestation, but there are many others. And that's why uh, it's so important for us to think more deeply, not only, as I said, in terms of our own families, but in terms of the society we live in. Well, you, you mentioned uh, earlier conditioning, how we're conditioned. And uh, you know, going back to the 60s on, on TV, where we just had three national networks and uh, a very short time to get out the facts of the, the various news events of the day, uh, where now, with uh, all the cable we have available, 24-7 news cycles, uh, we can really tune in culturally to uh, what side, left or right, far right, far left, wherever we want to go, we can we can line up our, our own news sources. And uh, you know, we, we heard earlier about... Uh, the idea of alternate facts, well, sort of alternate states of reality between, say, like Fox News and MSNBC. You're wondering, what what are they reporting? They're they're not reporting the same things. So, you know, how how do people avoid the confusion and sort of set their moral compass in the right direction in light of all these options we have for gathering the truth? 
it's not easy, and uh, but it isn't the technology; it's how it's used, and that's really, I mean, the the the, the fading line between reality and virtual reality. I mean, a fact is a fact. There is no alternate fact. There is no false fact. Uh, there is our empirical ways, and that's really what my work uh, draws on, is um, what do we actually know about what is possible for human beings, and certainly we can be cruel and violent, but the evidence again and again is that given half a chance and this, again, we're back to what children first observe and experience. Mm-hmm. Yes, gender socialization is a huge part of that. You know, it's not accidental, for example, that uh, in uh, foraging societies as well as in countries uh, like Sweden, Norway, Finland, which are not socialist, they have a very healthy market economy, uh, there, is, there are more caring policies. And it's because, uh, it's very interesting, the status of women is so much higher. 50% of the national legislatures are female. And when that happens, men no longer feel it's such a threat to their status, right? To also embrace caring policies like universal health care, universal available good early childhood education, paid parental leave. Well, well I, like, I, mean, I like your term, uh, partnership, as uh, opposed to domination, where you have one in power versus one not. I know we're running out of time, but I, I think that with regard to the partnership thing, uh, in, in just a, a couple of seconds, is there hope for us as a culture? There is grounded hope, real hope. We lived in that way for millennia. We've been trying to move in that direction again. You know, uh, sometimes when I get depressed about what's happening today, I say it as a joke, but it's true. I think of the European Middle Ages, which looked a lot like the Taliban. Well, we're going to we're gonna have to hold it right there and have you back again where we can explore this more. But, uh, okay. R- Rian Eisler, thank you so very much for sharing with us tonight, and And thank you for listening to us. We'll be back here next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning